Hello and welcome to episode 31 of The Brand Lounge, the place for unfiltered conversations on big topics for small businesses. I'm Tammy Heels, your host and founder of Shadowcat Creative, where I'm a personal brand and marketing consultant, and I help service-based businesses to define their brand and achieve their version of success. And today I am delighted to be joined by the brilliant Sherelle Griffiths, marketing strategist, business bestie for coaches, consultants, and service-based business owners. And Sherelle is also a fellow podcaster and founder of Propel Her, a community for ambitious women. So welcome. Thank you for joining me. Thank you for having me. I'm super excited to be here today. Awesome. It's quite a list. When I was putting your intro together, I was just like, this is amazing. There's so much. (laughs) You've made me sound amazing. Thank you much. Especially I love being called a business bestie. That's literally like exactly what I want to be. So I love it. Perfect. Um, so listeners, today, Sherelle and I are going to be talking about competitor research and comparison and the impact that that can have on small business. So competitive research involves essentially looking at your competitors and objectively evaluating the strengths and weaknesses of their products, services, marketing, branding, and everything in between. It's fairly common in all forms of business, and it's something that I encounter quite frequently in the corporate world. But when you're a small business or a solopreneur, it can quickly spiral into comparison, which can be a really difficult place to find yourself. So, Sherelle, I would love to know kind of your thoughts and feelings when it comes to the role of competitor research in our marketing in particular as small business owners. So for me, competitor research is absolutely vital. And I think, as you mentioned, in like bigger businesses, it's an absolutely normal part of life. Like no one would actually ever really put a new product or service into market without already seeing what is in the market. Like it's just a standard thing. However, it is difficult (laughs) when your business is based around you, when you're really small. And as you said, it's that idea of how do you look at it objectively and, and do what's necessary, but not get too personally absorbed into it that it actually impacts your business. So one of the things I really try and encourage people to do is with competitor research is have it as part of like a cycle. So whether you do it like on an annual basis when you really look at your plan or if you're someone who's like quarterly um, planning, maybe you do it then. And then try to stick to looking at it within those parameters or at a time when you are maybe um, putting something new into the market, if you are launching a new product or service. Mm. And then outside of that, try to keep it as minimal as possible. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree. I love what you said there about making it part of a process because I feel like the more that you can make it an objective process, hopefully the less or the more you can detach yourself away from it because exactly like you said, as small business owners, when it is just you, everything feels like a personal reflection, doesn't it? Yeah. And the thing is, it's, it is just a standard business practice at the end of the day. So, you know, uh, we're recording this in January and I will have spent, I've just spent like the November and December working with lots of business owners to set themselves up for 2021. And that's just one of the things we cover. And I'm like, it's not the be all and end all, but you can't be marketing your business in a vacuum you're not it is important therefore to know what everyone else is doing around you for me as well I find it really important because of the position work I do with people and the thing is we no one is offering a service that no one else has that's it's not the way it is like you know you've even had people on this podcast that technically I could class as a competitor mm-hmm. we are offer similar things 
But the point is, you are different and we all know we're different. And point the role of positioning is to really help us see where you sit amongst others. And if you haven't looked at others, how can you do that positioning work properly? Yeah, absolutely. And I've had um, a guest on here that I would class as competitors to me as well. And it's one of those things. We talked about this in an episode in December with Amy Quo around brand positioning, which I think is something that you're absolutely touching on there. It's the positioning of your business within the market. And I think that it's really important as small businesses to remember that you're never going to be the only one offering what you do. Like you won't be, and you shouldn't be either because I feel like some competition actually makes you consider your customers a little bit more rather than maybe getting complacent. I don't know if that's just me. I don't know whether that's something that you would agree (laughs) with or not. (laughs) I mean, I mean, it's interesting. I suppose I think actually that sounds like you could really easily tip into the competition because actually if you're thinking about them in that sort of sense of like not being complacent I suppose you could be improving your services and you can see that as an advantage Mm. and I definitely think that is a a part of doing competitive research is you might actually realize is someone else offering something that you'd never considered and that is really valuable it also allows you to start to think well what do your potential clients actually want and need and you know things evolve and I think it's especially important for businesses as you get older because it can be quite easy to have like created yourself in a certain time and place and you're focusing on that and you haven't necessarily looked at what else is happening around and if you don't then you can get left behind so it, there is that balance between not following everyone and not like getting caught up and thinking I need to constantly change but not just being like la 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 I'm in my own little world yeah. and then a few years down the line you realize you're irrelevant Yeah, absolutely. And I have had a couple of clients in the past where when we've talked about competitor research, they're like, oh, no, I don't do that because I don't want to fall into the trap of comparison. And I totally understand where they're coming from. But at the same point of view, I mean, you need to keep your finger on the pulse of the market that you're serving because you may be missing out on a fundamental change in the trends that they're experiencing so that, like you said, your business could get left behind because you have this fear around what others are doing. And just because you're looking at what they're doing, you're not sat there. I think that this is the key for me. I think that there seems to be a feeling that when you're doing competitive research, you're actively comparing what you offer with what they offer. When actually the way to approach it is more, like we said at the beginning, objectively looking at what they do offer, both their strengths and their weaknesses and the market that they're fulfilling yeah and for me I think you're right like you might see that someone is like offering a service that's exactly the same um you might see people that offer different things and you might think oh that's an interesting way of doing it that doesn't mean you then have to go and do that but you can see actually they're approaching it in a different way and therefore that might suit a different person better than another person it also helps you to really then have the strength that if you realize you're doing something different that you're like that's part of your usp you can really own that and be like actually i don't do things exactly the same as my competitors these are the reasons why and therefore that's likely to appeal to a certain section of that market that they otherwise it wouldn't happen so you actually knowing as well by doing competitive research actually how you compare against people is important because otherwise you might not be emphasizing that because you don't realize actually that's an unusual thing or that's something that not a lot of other people are offering that's a really good point that 
looking at your competitors' strengths and weaknesses can really help you self-identify what your strengths and weaknesses are, which essentially is part of the process, isn't it? I mean, we're not just doing it to see what they're offering. We're doing it to see what they're doing so that we can work out how we, not how we compare to them, but the areas that we're fulfilling, how our business is being received, kind of where our position and place is within the market, just as we're looking at their position and place within the market. And exactly like you said, I think um, even if someone's offering exactly the same service as you to exactly the same audience in the exact same way, your delivery will always be different because you're an individual, you know, your experience and knowledge is separate. Yeah, your your knowledge is separate, your experience is different. And I also think us as individuals bring something different. Like, so, you know, for me, when I look at some people, it's like, I know the energy I bring is so different to so many other people. And some people will like that and some people won't. And so, you know, if I put myself on a position scale around like energy, like you're going to go for someone calm and there'll be so many people that I could say, you have the exact same service as me, but you know, you're much more chilled and you could argue that they're like going to be a bit more compassionate and they might be softer for you to work with. And like, that's going to appeal to that set of people as well. I think it's really good to have an actual awareness about people that are for similar things, but are slightly different because... I could genuinely be on a call with someone and I'm like, well, I am not right for you, but I want to put you in the right direction. Like I actually just want every single person that comes through my door that ever gets on a call with me to work out how to market their business better. That's all I want. And if, and if I genuinely think I'm not right for you, really, I want to be able to at least leave, give you a suggestion. I want to be able to say, actually, this person might be someone you might be, you might not know about. You might not be aware of this person, but go with them or like talk to them. Maybe they'll be better for you. And if you've not done that work and you're sitting there pretending I'm the only one doing this, you can't do that. So actually, then you put yourself in a bit more of a difficult situation because it's much easier to say no to a potential client when I know that I can actually give them some advice and point them in another direction. Yeah, I completely, completely agree with that. It's the whole collaboration over competition aspect. And it's something that I am very proud to say that a lot of my kind of circle of business friends, it, it's the way that they tend to operate as well. And there are so many different benefits to do to actually behaving in that way where if you can find someone who is offering the same service for a client or a potential client that isn't right to work with you for whatever reason, if by facilitating that relationship and moving them on to someone that can help them, because at the end of the day, that's what sales calls should be. It's not about selling your product. It's about helping them find a solution, whether that's you or not. And by moving them on to someone who can help them, you're probably still going to get referrals from them because I'd be like, you know what? That person wasn't right for me, but they really helped me find the right person. So maybe you should go and speak to them. Yeah. And I also think it helps people to understand that you're not going to have a call with them and you just want to sell. Like yeah. Actually, that would then be, I would think that's someone to refer on to people and say, do you know what? Go on a call with them. She's not going to do the hard sell. And if you're not right for her, she'll pass you on. Yeah, which is ideal. That is absolutely something that I really value as a rep, like as a reputation. And it's something that I've experienced on both sides. So it's it's just great as a business owner because no one likes to be sold at. I think everyone knows that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so when it does come to comparison, I'd like to kind of touch briefly on why it can be detrimental to small business owners, because although it may feel like it's something that can be obvious. I never like to assume that that's something that everyone has experienced or or would kind of understand. So the reason for me, at least, and I'd love to hear your thoughts about this, the reason that 
I find comparison can be such a dangerous path to go down is that it really does tend to feed my imposter. So on a personal level, yeah, yeah, having a look Mm -hmm. at other businesses and literally with the intention of comparing it directly to my business, that's when I start to question the way that I'm choosing to do things. And I mean, I'm a huge proponent of doing business in your own way. That's one of my key messages. But even I will have those wobbles where I'm like, yeah, but is this the right way? Yeah, for me, there's two main things I see as being like detrimental when you're comparing. One of them is pricing. Yes. And I think an imposter syndrome is part of like all that feeds into this conversation. So often I feel that if you start looking at what people offer, how much they're charging, and then you start to make comparisons about, well, I'm not as experienced as them or don't have as much knowledge as them. What do I have the right therefore to be charging this price or they're charging less than me and I think they're more experienced than me. And you start having all of these conversations that can become very overwhelming very quickly. And I think that's a very detrimental spiral to get into because also none of us really know what the service someone is delivering. Like unless you've actually worked with someone, you truly don't know. And also people are going to be running their businesses for different reasons with like different um, ultimate goals. And therefore we can't just be looking from an outside and thinking, okay, well they charge this and therefore I can't charge more than them because you don't know, maybe there's a reason why they can be able to afford to charge that rate. Like it could be someone is charging this in the public, but actually they are they've got another business and that's why that's bringing in half their income or they could be someone who looks like they have a really high price but they never actually charge that to people because they always give a discount to people on the phone for example yeah Yeah, absolutely absolutely and I think that 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 what you said there that you don't always know the services that others are delivering like the service the actual experience that they're delivering that really is key because we're putting a lot of our own assumptions on what we're viewing when actually like that's not our place to do we can't put our expectations or assumptions on other business owners because you you're literally using unfounded highlight reels on social media to found your opinions yeah and unless unless you actually work with someone you're never really going to know what that service is and I think yeah even something that may on paper look very very similar to someone you class as a competitor it doesn't mean actually what is delivered is the same so I think trying not to ever get caught up feeling like anything is a like for like is mm-hmm. always something that's really important because I think that's the easiest place to get sucked in especially then when it becomes around pricing and the other thing I think that's really detrimental is when you start looking at their marketing and feeling like I should be doing this and the whole like copycat syndrome and you feel like oh well someone's like someone is like clearly getting all their leads from their Facebook group so I should be starting a Facebook group or someone's now like always on Instagram and they're doing stories every single day should be doing that and that's the biggest thing when people come to me usually is they feel as if they should be doing something because other people are doing it and then I always want to say though do you know if that's actually how they're getting their clients because we can see what's happening on the outside and we can assume that people are doing things that are generating um, like interest in their business and bring them more clients but there are plenty of people who are not properly marketing their business which means they could have been running something and doing the same thing for years even though it's not working So it's really, really like so dangerous to actually think because someone's doing something on the outside that is generating um, income for their business. Absolutely. And again, it's that whole assumptions, isn't it? You're making the assumption on what you can see from your jaded point of view 
because you're not approaching that in a wholesome way with good intentions. You're approaching that in a way of going, why are they getting what I want? And Mm -hmm. I'm not getting it because we all do it. Like it happens and it's easy to sit there and see someone being successful that offers similar to you. And you're like, well, why is that working out for them? But the difference between how you approach that from a right objective what is it that they're doing? Can I see how this is generating leads? Can I see how this could work for me? Is this something that feels right for me as opposed yeah. to why are they getting leads and I'm not? <laughs> yeah. And also, and, and how many times do we know how people are getting their leads as well? That's the thing. Like yeah. the fact you're saying like they're successful. How have you judged that they're successful? Have you judged that based on something external? Yes. Because the likelihood is unless you are having a conversation with them, you don't really know what is happening in their business. Yeah. And even then you've got to make the assumption that they're telling you the truth. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) A lot of the time, like, well, I mean, it's not even doing it intentionally, but there is such a long process between choosing to choosing to buy with someone like when you initially come across someone and choosing to actually exchange money for services depending on the price of that service, it can be months or a year or weeks, whatever that buyer's journey looks like so you won't always know where your leads are coming from like they might have discovered you on Instagram and then decided because of a Facebook ad or because of a blog post or something else yeah and I think the point you just made as well like the buyer's journey means that sometimes you will have people that come to you months and years and I have had some clients that I'm like actually you've been in my sphere for like over a year and now Mm -hmm. you decided it's the right time to work with me and therefore what I'm doing right now isn't probably the reason for the success I'm having in my business right now. Actually, that could have been the marketing that I've been doing for the last year or the the last two years. It's also about all the momentum and all the cumulative power that comes together. So if you think to yourself, I'm looking right now at what they're doing, you're not actually seeing all of the behind, which will be having an impact on what's happening in their business right now. Yeah, absolutely. I always try and work under the... I don't even know where I got it from. I I have a feeling I would have read it or heard it somewhere. So I can't claim credit for it. But what you're doing in your business now, you'll see the results in three months time if you are consistent. Yeah. And I think that that's kind of the key as well. If you tried something for a week, two months ago, and you're like, that didn't work. And then someone comes back to you, you can't necessarily link the two. But if you were consistently doing things and implementing and trialing ways to generate leads and market your business, then you will see results because you can't not, can you? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And so that you are right, though, it's like you're going to do it now and you're going to be doing it over and over again. And then in the future, you see the results. So we can sort of really understand that from in our own world. And we'll know, like, you know, hopefully people are finding out how people have like heard of them. I always am really intrigued, actually, how long people have been in my sphere before they sign up with me. So we can understand that as individuals, but we would never ever think that normally I'd say for most people when they look at competitors all they're thinking is what they've done the last two weeks and how is that happening rather than actually scroll down like go back through that Instagram feed for two years ago and see what they were doing then before you're trying to work out what they're doing now that's a really good point actually I never thought about it in quite those terms but yeah you always look at your stuff and know that you're planting seeds but you look at others and assume that it's instant yeah double standards guys that's what we're doing (laughs) double standards um so the next thing I'd love to talk about is kind of how the hows of conducting competitor research 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 how you can do it in a positive way that protects both your mindset but also your integrity which is something that you touched on earlier um 
because it can be easy to see someone doing something and think, right, I'm going to do the same. Yes. (laughs) So first of all, I always think it's useful to try and set some parameters around how many like businesses or brands you're actually going to be doing competitor analysis around and you might naturally feel as if you know some people already and so that's quite easy but I would if you're generally doing this properly I actually would encourage you to be whenever you are talking to people that are actually like looking for solutions if you're on calls with people or if you're like in a Facebook group of people that you know potentially could be your ideal client it's ask them like who do they think is like who if they were trying to look for x who would they think for think of? And it can be interesting because especially like someone like myself personally who does one-on-one, some of the people that technically could be best as a competitor in terms of actually the advice they give and the recommendations, they might only be giving out like group programs or courses and memberships. And so technically in terms of like expertise, we could be really similar, but actually the service, the like physical thing, what you can get is different. So I like to have some people that I would say are very much exactly the same, like they do do one-on-one, but I normally do include a few other people that I would say someone could come to as an alternative. So actually, it's not a comparable service because it's not going to be the comparable to me in that same way. But that might still solve their problem because at the end of the day, we are just a solution to someone's problem. And there are multiple ways you can do that. So yeah, try either from yourself or by asking people, trying to get actually, you know, get into a point where like, okay, here's four to eight different people that or brands that we could be looking at. And then actually having a framework to be going through and this is where I think like you were saying to try and make it objective so it's like Mm -hmm. actually looking okay like will you have a look at their website choose a few social media platforms you want to go through if you have it on their email list you can look at it and even see like are they email you know email is one of those ones that I always love because people so many people make money through their email and you don't see that on the outside it's very easy just to be looking at a shiny website and social media but I'm like yeah, but you don't actually realize that every single week I send an email out to my list and that's why people get in touch with me. And that's why you could be dead on social media. You think, oh, they've not done anything for like months. Yeah, there are so many people that, especially in the last year, because I feel like I've expanded my inner circle quite a bit to be a bit more global as opposed to local around the Hampshire area, which is ideal. (laughs) But um, thank you, COVID, I guess. But actually expanding outside of kind of my immediate area opened my eyes a lot to other, not competitors, but other people who were offering services and having successful businesses with literally minimal online presence. And I know someone who she worked with my coach as well, and she is having like tremendous success financially and growing her business. It's absolutely thriving as a social media manager and ads manager, very little social media presence, Mm. which I find ironic, but you would never think that she had like your assumption. Again, your assumption would never be that she has the business bringing in what it does and the clients that she has from looking as an outsider at her presence. It's really, it's really interesting. Yeah, that is really interesting. But you also hit exactly on a point, which is the assumptions. Because yeah. unfortunately, many of us have now got into this thing where we think thousands of followers equal success. And the fact is followers is not money. <laughs> followers is not clients. Followers are simply one thing followers yeah that is it um and it actually has it brings me so much joy actually when I find people that are running really successful businesses with like appalling social media which makes me so happy (laughs) 
can be done guys social media is not life (laughs) (laughs) absolutely like it's not um and it's not and it's not an indication of how good a business is but it is one of the things we can measure that is the thing we actually can see that so obviously when we are doing our competitive research you can be looking at like what their social media platforms are what social media platforms they use how they're using them what type of content like their frequency and then yeah they're actually looking at the services or the uh, products that they do have you know are they someone that's like using a launch method is it evergreen are they always taking people do they have a sign on their website that says like i'm fully booked until x and you have to join a wait list like we have to believe that what they're saying is true so you can have that on but i think yeah you choose the sort of framework before you look at anyone and so then basically what you want is some sort of like grid so i'll just probably do it on excel or like so i can actually be like these are the things like this is how it works and that way you're you are doing it in a much more detached way i think because actually like you're trying to fill something in so it's rather than me trying to get like absorbed and then get sucked into it it does feel like this is a piece of work do you know what i mean because yeah i love that the way that you're framing the approach to it is kind of almost protecting your mindset from the from from the beginning because you're not going in there with oh god i'm going to go and have a look and see what they're doing and see how they're doing it but you're you've actively got check boxes almost yeah. to keep you focused yeah and also put yourself in the mind of a potential buyer as well is what I would like to say and just actually be like okay so if I was someone who was looking for I had this problem I'm trying to find a solution and I find them like if I google them what comes up about them where do I end up leading what is my impression of them and again like we said look at as well positioning because I think positioning is one of those things that you can you can start to feel about how how they are and then if they aren't positioned in the same place as you also then there's there's no reason to even try and copy them there's no reason to get sucked into how they're doing it because actually that's not you and I think that's part of that thing around integrity um, and staying aligned but also what I find is by having the breadth so not only looking at like one or two people it will stop you from getting um like sucked into thinking you have to do something because it'll be very rare if you've looked at four or five people that they're all doing something that you're not doing and therefore that you feel more inclined what you'll actually realize by doing a larger sample of people is actually you'll see oh actually so-and-so use this and that they seem to be doing this but they offer something different and then actually sort of normally I mean obviously I'm not doing your market research for you it normally will even it out and actually you should get some sort of like confirmation that not everyone's doing it the same everyone is trying to find their own roots even though there might be some common threads that run throughout yeah I think the I think that that's a great way of approaching it I think that framework works really well the only thing I would add to that as well is also try if you can and remove yourself from looking at your business and include your business in that framework and fill it in like you're like you've never seen your business before (laughs) it's like who is this Tammy <laughs> and kind of assess your own business against that framework as well honestly so you can see where you're sitting yeah. from a like you said from a potential buyer's point of view because you need to see it from their eyes as to how you're fulfilling that solution yeah and I think you're it's such a good idea to look at yourself and really try and remove yourself so often I will be working with people and I will realize that when was the last time like you Googled yourself and actually like looked to see what Google brought up, checked out your social media profiles from the outside, like so much like outdated information, like websites that haven't been updated. And it's because we're in it. 
and we just don't see it from the outside and it especially becomes more important the more you start to do like interviews with people or you try and get in the press and you start to be building this like collateral around you it's making sure that all of that story is like reinforcing each other and it's working together especially important as well is if if you have a common name ah yes absolutely and also something that you said there is it's interesting that we get caught up in our current marketing. So what we were talking about earlier about that, we're only, what we're doing now, we'll see results in three months. If you've been trying and chopping and changing, because let's face it, as small business owners, we're all trying to find our own way through the world of business as best we can, especially in the early days, Googling your business name and your personal name and seeing what comes up really could be eye-opening to see what your customers or potential customers are seeing yes yes especially as you said if you have changed um like your focus because the thing is also different like different platforms different websites will be ranking differently and so something that you might not like for example will sit high really high so for a long time I went to goldsmiths for unit for my master's and goldsmiths ranks really well and because I have an unusual name I have this like one annoying thing about me that's like 10 years later is still like on page one or two I think it's just dropped onto two Google now but like 10 years later and that's just because I've got a really well-performing page and I'm like oh my gosh and actually like part of me trying to do like more I was really active around trying to get more mentions of me on Google but it wasn't knocking it down and so you have but you have to look to know that so you know when was the last time you actually did that so yeah don't just Google your competitors do Google yourself I like that I really like that I think that that's a really good way of approaching it and hopefully that will help you as you dear listeners to kind of detach yourself from the process as well because it is important and you know the internet is a world of wonders but unfortunately it isn't kept tidy. It is literally a cupboard that we just keep shoving more stuff into. So, you know, there are going to be things in there that maybe you don't want to be coming up too often or something that you need to be aware of should it come up in the future. But just make sure that whatever you're doing, you're putting it out there consistently, I think. And I think the only other thing around the integrity side, I made a note, I made several notes and I'm lost because I've just been writing tons of them while we've been talking, is um, when it comes to integrity, it's really easy to single out one person that you're like, I wish my business was like theirs or Mm. they have the business that I want to have in a few years time. And then looking at what they're doing and realizing that a lot of the things that they're saying are very similar to what you're saying. And I think that that can be a bit of a trap as well, because you start to compare your messaging to someone else's and it could be similar. I mean, marketing goes around in cycles. I've experienced it in the last couple of weeks where some of the key messages that I've wanted to put out later in January I've already seen from other people at the start of January. And that kind of trips you up a little bit in your mindset because you're like, oh, well, can I no longer post these because my competitors or other people were sharing these messages? But I would say, again, just going back to what we were both saying earlier, you are still unique within your business. And if those messages are important to you, still still communicate them. Just make sure that you're not being very, very close to your competitors, I guess. Make sure you're putting your own spin on it, yeah. I think is what I'm trying to say. And- also I think it depends on if you are genuinely if you feel as if this is a genuine thing you want to say then keep saying it where if it was something that was in your plan if you sat down you're like this is one of my key messages fine my question is 
if you are starting to do competitive analysis and then that gives you ideas, that's where you need to be careful. Yeah, absolutely. I think that that's the bit where you need to just manage your manage your levels of integrity and make sure that you're being honest with where those ideas are coming from. Again, it's fine to be influenced and inspired but don't copy. Yeah. And again, this is why I think it's important to do competitive analysis from a wider breadth of people as well anyway, because I think if you're only looking at one or two people, that's when it's very easy to get like sucked into that world. Um, Whereas if you're starting to do more people naturally, it should start to just like ease out. You should be getting different influencers. And also you need to realize that there's a time to do competitive analysis and then the rest of the time really how much should you be absorbing information from your competitors? So like, as we said, like there is a framework, this is a process. So, you know, like I do this in December as part of my business plan with people. I do one for myself and then one with my clients that I work with. But then I probably don't then look properly at my competitors until the next year. So actually you shouldn't be absorbing these messages and being influenced if you're, unless you're looking at them. And I would say if you're someone that thinks you vaguely struggle with that level of integrity, just delete them. Just don't follow them. Yeah. yeah, I absolutely agree. And I would say that if it's a business that you still want to support, then there are other ways that you can still support that business. If social media in any, if anyone's account ever is giving you any form of distress or upset, then unfollow or delete or whatever it is that you need to do because it by following a social media account you don't intend on engaging with, you're not helping them. Yeah. So literally by unfollowing them, you're just protecting your your space, your mindset and everything else, which will be beneficial to you. And you're not being a false number for them. So you're actually going to be helping their business as well. It's not selfish to unfollow people. It's definitely not, it's definitely not selfish to unfollow people. And also you have to be honest with yourself about the content you're consuming. And actually is, can, you are not an ideal client, like you said, like if, why are you looking at, why are you on your competitor's accounts? Because you're not going to buy from them. And actually are you, you might possibly learn. And I'll be really honest, like I do follow other marketing experts and oh, yeah, do have some great conversations with people and manage to like get different tips and hints. And because I definitely think that like, marketing's such a big area that's changing so often so that's the thing for me is actually people that are like a little bit more on the tr- like on the curve of stuff I really like to engage with but if you are someone who isn't clear on that your messaging yet or doesn't have that inner confidence with like this is who I want to serve this is how I'm serving them these are my like main messaging points then yeah take yourself away from it that's the easiest thing to do yeah I'd also encourage the listeners to remember as well that you'll hear it again and again and I think that it's a modern day cliche that social media is a highlight reel and it's easy to forget that it's easy to forget that people are pre-recording their stories like when you see someone talking about their day that might not have been their day like (laughs) You know, love how cynical you are. I'm like, no, of course it happened today. What are you on about? Right, absolutely. <laughs> the other day, I was like, right, I'm going to pre-record some stories. I actually didn't in the end because I'm not that person. Um, <laughs> it's too much planning ahead for me. And I was like, oh, it's fine. What I'll do is I'll wash my hair and I'll straighten my hair and I'll do my makeup all nice. And then when I'm posting these on Monday, when I'm sat there in like a dressing gown, my blanket and a cup of tea, I'll feel like I was put together. And it's just you need to find out what your levels are when it's like, if you're doing that in advance, like a training session, I think that that's great. I think that if you can pre-record trainings or IGTVs and value-driven content, then brilliant, go for it. It will help you save time and organize your marketing. But if it's going to be, you know, hey, this is what I'm up to now, like 
you're losing that authenticity but just remember that you don't know what your competitors are actually doing you don't know when they recorded things you don't know if they're working with someone else if they're outsourcing yes that, that's a big thing that I wanted to like point on you don't know how big their team is and who will help them so obviously this is something that comes up with social like you said like we spoke earlier about you said social media manager who doesn't even have a good presence and you don't know who they're working with lots of people have a social media manager lots of people have a VA lots of people have someone that's doing their emails that's running their website for them etc and that particularly comes in with competitive research for me like you might see people that are doing have from a marketing perspective their outcome is lots they are putting out a lot and then you might feel the pressure to think okay I need to up my game yeah that's great to up your game but you need to work out what is realistic for you and like what your resources and I think what can be really difficult is when people don't actually know how much like how much resources and how much support other people have got behind them so it can be really deceiving where you do feel like someone like is actually doing all their social media themselves but actually they're not and also even if it they are doing it themselves you don't know if someone is working their business 16 hours a day or there's someone that's actually like I'm only working between 9:20 and 2:50 normally because I'm working around the kids. We don't we don't know how many hours someone is putting in their business. We don't know, you know, how fast I write a blog post is probably completely different to how how fast someone else does it. So for me to churn out three a week I'm like cool, but you might be like that's going to take you five times as long. So I think just also realizing that output you don't know who is doing all of that. So just keep that in mind as well. Yeah, absolutely. I think that there are so many variables when it comes to content because all of the things that you said there, you don't know how much time it's going to take them. You don't know who else is supporting them. But also you don't know whether they're just exceptionally good at repurposing content. Yeah. Like it could be that they've written one blog post and literally everything else has come from that one blog post. But because you're not reading every piece of content they're creating in detail, you won't know how they're spinning that messaging how they're like moving it through their different platforms it could be a blog post that they wrote three years ago that they're cycling back (laughs) around like there's so many different variables in this that if you try to do this too much you're just going to drive yourself mad oh yeah the people that use a meet edgar and it's like all that content they've sat down they've put it in and it's just like and comes out and comes out comes out and then you're doing every single one in real time like there's just no comparison and that's the thing I think is that's why the difference between competitor analysis and comparison is that idea like competitor analysis is actually looking at from a buyer's perspective what they would find if they were trying to look for someone and what they offer and how they support people. Whereas comparison is when you then get sucked in and you start thinking about me versus them and they're doing this, but I'm not doing this and should I be doing this and that sort of spiral. And so that's the thing. I think take, just keep keep coming back to yourself and saying, as an actual buyer, what can I? What would I be seeing? What would I be thinking? Because a buyer is not thinking about, oh, they've been posting 17 times a day and this is what they're saying. That's not what they're thinking. They're like, is this helping me? <laughs> Such a good point. I think that we forget and it's something that I always try and remind my clients of is like, you're the only one that sees all your content. Yes. Like, and the, on the basis that you don't outsource any of it and just don't pay any attention. Like you're the only one that sees everything. Mm-hmm. Your buyers and your potential customers are experiencing a variety of the content that you are creating over a long period of time, which is why things like consistency is so important, which is why it's important that you're saying the messaging in a way that works for you because you're going to be saying it for a long old time and you need to make sure that it works from your point of view. 
and it has to be authentic. Absolutely. And as you said, you have to find your way. So once you've finished doing all the competitor analysis, I think it's it's really useful to you know to have got to the end and actually put some findings together and been like you know maybe there are some things that you do think are good there are some things that other people do that are bad you've worked out for you maybe some of your like you said you can then define your strengths and your weaknesses and you might decide to address some of your weaknesses so you might actually be like okay that has made me think maybe I need to update my website a little bit more or maybe I might think about offering a new service that fits this gap next year and you can have those as clear outcomes and then stop and then that is literally it and you know you don't need to do that again for a sufficient amount of time. Yeah I think that that's great I think I think that there's not really much else that I want to cover when it comes to this because I feel like we've kind of covered an awful lot around it is there anything else that you wanted to just like put forward that we've discussed today is there one key piece of advice that you'd like to share with the listeners I think it is really important to actually look at your competitors and I think don't get into a place where you feel that because you feel like you're so special that you don't need to look at other people, basically. So I think regardless, you should always make sure that you are taking the time to look at your competitors, but it only needs to be occasionally. And then, as we said, you need to just really own being yourself, um, focus on what you do well and make sure that's what you're putting out into the world. I love that. I think that that's a great summary. I think the one thought that I'm going to leave it on for the listeners is from everything that we've discussed today, I think the way to sum it up is competitor research is helpful and beneficial for your business. Yeah. Whereas comparison yeah. is not. <laughs> no. And comparison is <laughs> not good for your mental health either. So it is not good for your mental health. It's not good for anyone's health. I mean, yeah. Anyway, that's brilliant. I think that we've covered so much in there. And I think that there's a really good framework that we've talked through as well. So listeners, if you are looking at doing competitor research, I really hope that you've either taken notes or, you know, scrub on back and (laughs) make a few notes and go through and have a look at your competitors because it really can benefit you and your business. So thank you so much for joining me today, Sherelle. This has been a really good conversation. Where can the listeners find more about you? So the best place to find me would either be Instagram or LinkedIn. And I am Sherelle Griffith on both. So that's C-H-A-R-E-L-L-E-G-R-I-F-F-I-T-H. And my website is sherellegriff.com. So I also have a blog that is full of tips and tricks and strategies to help people market their businesses better. Perfect. Thanks so, so much. And I feel like everything that we've covered today has been brilliant. And I'm sure the listeners will get a huge amount of value for that. We will leave all of the links for Sherelle in the show notes. So be sure to come back here as well on Thursday when Sherelle will be sharing her business journey and brand story with us. Until then, I would love to hear your thoughts about this episode and whether it's inspired you to maybe look into your competitors or whether it's inspired you in another way to reduce the amount of comparison that you're putting into your business and your world. So come on over to our community on Instagram or Facebook. All the links are in the bio and I will see you in the brand lounge.